Hey all, welcome to Film Suck, a Patreon podcast in which we ponder the work of art in the age of crap cinema. I'm Eileen Jones. I'm Dolores McElroy. And today we are continuing our short series on three of our favorite film um, genres. Last time we discussed melodrama, we were using um, the new film Spencer, aka the Princess Diana movie, <laughs> that I think is still in, currently in theaters. Um, and that was our main example. And today we're taking on the musical and we're going to be using um, the new Steven Spielberg version of West Side Story and, and kind of relating that to the 1961 um, film that already exists. Um, so that's what we're what we're doing. And we, this is this is the second of three. Um, so first, let's let's dive in. Let's dive into the 2021 West Side Story <laughs> 60th anniversary um, version of West Side Story by Steve Spielberg. Okay, I think it can be summed up in our text message uh, exchange, uh -huh. Eileen. So <laughs> okay. we have not had a live conversation about this, Eileen and I yet, but right, um, <laughs> we texted each other from the multiplex and, uh -huh. um, you know, I was I was dreading it. Um, oh. So I said, sitting in the multiplex right now, help. <laughs> and uh eileen knows i am not excited about the 1961 version which she loves mm -hmm. um so mm -hmm. i said rewatch 1961 version last night very bored except for rita and uh eileen reminded me how sharply we part company on the 1961 mm -hmm. version but she said i'm sure we'll agree on the atrocity that is 2021 <laughs> and, and i was like oh i like this one so much better and she just wrote back oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and i yeah. still am sort of paralyzed in that state so so i am dying even though but i should note almost all the the reviewers are with you all the critics it's oh, doing wow. incredibly well the, you know rotten tomato meter etc it's 90 some percentage there's only like what? a couple a couple of um um naysayers but mostly it's just getting raved like i some of the some of the adjectives are things like uh, uh resplendent captivating and <laughs> all about just the genius of Spielberg's um, new version. So I am uh, a gog for your version of it, um, Dolores. Carry on. Okay, okay, let me just say brief bullet points for why I mm. liked it. I think it's because mm. the bar was low and it uh, it avoided the things I was most fearing. So I, I I just taught a class on the musical and I'm I'm the oldest fogey. I love film musicals, but I I love them stopping at like 1979. Like all that all that jazz, according to me, is the last interesting thing that happened to the film musical and everything thereafter is mostly shit and so i was just like all right for 40 years we have not hired an actor who can sing and dance spielberg hired unknowns they can sing and they can dance they're not dubbed they're not renee zellweger pretending to sing they're not renee zellweger being cut away from every second and a half because she can't complete an actual dance move and it has to be reassembled in the editing room they can keep the camera on these motherfuckers while they sing and dance and to me it's like oh my god <laughs> I haven't seen that since like Hello Dolly. <laughs> so, that was so fucking rad. I was so excited about that. Um, also, I, I've always been bored by the 1961 version uh, directed by Robert Wise. It has some lovely things. It's not like totally awful, but besides the casting, which I'm sure we'll get into, which I hate in the 61 version, the opening 20 minutes where the jets are like snapping down the sidewalk, I've never found the music for that compelling enough to like take me through the opening without being bored as fuck. And the camera was a lot more mobile in the Spielberg version it, during those opening 20 
20 minutes and during several dance numbers, like the mambo in the gym, I think is like 10 times better in the Spielberg version. Because in the Robert Wise version in the 60s, it's sitting there in like the fifth row center, never moving. And at least Spielberg, you know, the camera is like dancing around the room. And that that to me was very exciting. So I thought the camera was better. And I I was thrilled that the people could sing and dance. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Wait, let's start talking about your issues. <laughs> uh, well, I will totally concede the singing and dancing is that is fabulous. And it's true. It has been God knows how long, because even if they get people to sing and dance, which I think in the Heights, a lot of at least a lot of the people. Oh, right. If you saw it in the Heights, they, they got people who could sing and dance, but then they completely murdered <laughs> the effects of their singing and dancing because they didn't know how to shoot it. And they cut the numbers to ribbons so you couldn't see anyone complete a move exactly they they were treated as if they couldn't they couldn't dance in particular so i hated that film and i have the hate mail to prove it (laughs) (laughs) whoa that was a woofer terrible 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 musical yeah but you're right in that bringing people back is the is the essence who can actually do it and do it awesomely yeah that's the essence of the musical that's why the whole reason for being (laughs) of the musical Totally. Is it's supposed to be awesome singing, dancing talent and everything they can do. You fucking can't do. You can't get near. Exactly. So the idea of having non singer dancers has always just been a fucking travesty. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Unless you can somehow train them to the point that they can fool you somehow. But that's also extremely rare. Extremely yeah. Rare. And like economically, I guess the, oh, I'm sorry. I stepped, please continue. Oh, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I mean, just like brief, you know, the economic reasons for that have to do with like the decline of the studio system. Right. Because of course, in the studio system, the studio was wealthy enough to support the development yes. of the musical genre itself and the singing and dancing stars. And when that collapses, mm-hmm. um, you know, movies become much harder to make in terms mm-hmm. of raising capital. Mm-hmm. And so- you used whatever star was at hand, and, mm-hmm. but musical stars were no longer being trained. So oftentimes you're just plugging in like, you know, people who are big at the box office, but mm-hmm. not singers and dancers just to right. have some kind of insurance to offer for the bank loan, right. you know? <laughs> and, so. you know well, who knows? We might get into it more if we do a, a separate historical rundown, but it's important to note that the, the musicals in ex- was especially an expensive form among the most expensive. Yes, tremendously. Just because you're, you're, you have those gigunda climactic usually song, singing dancing routines with thousands of extras and everything else and they're usually you know big fantastically in color with you know amazing sets and costumes and everything else so among the first things to go on the chopping block when when studios were having to cut back the musicals that's yeah. partly what killed the musicals they just couldn't afford such an expensive form anymore also you know tastes were changing and it was the taste for that kind of music was waning so it was a double whammy of killing the old musical yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Definitely. So the crisis is, but it's an ironic crisis in that you know perfectly well that there are there's, that there's brilliant stage talent, right? Brilliant, but we don't get to see it unless you're you can go to New York. You're no. not going to see it. They won't take <laughs> so, a chance. The movies they won't, won't take, take a chance. chance on. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a a good rare case it seems of finding actual talent who can actually do um, what they're supposed to be doing. Totally. So I will totally concede that. And and there are some of the performers are are charismatic and quite good. Yeah, I thought the guy playing playing Bernardo was really good. Danny, yes. uh, no, David Alvarez. I thought he was really charismatic. And Fabulous. Um, Ariana Dubose is getting a ton of praises. Anita, for me, it's hard to part with the memory of Rita Hayward. I yeah. Mean, Rita. Rita Moreno is so good. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't as wild, but she's getting raves. Um, 
yeah, weirdly enough, like the lead guy who I thought acted the role well is getting bad reviews compared to the others. What's his name again? I've got uh, his name's Ansel Elgart, who plays yes. Tony. You might know him from Baby Driver. He played the lead in that, which is in, it's a very musical, you know, um, at least in movement. And there's some songs and dances in Baby Driver. And he was, that's where he first comes to fame. He's kind of got a heartthrob um, um, rep. Mm -hmm. But maybe that's partly why the critics were really had it in for him. Um, a lot of praise for the other leads, but that is him. crazy. Oh my I God. I feel the same. I was like, no, he handled that balcony scene really, really well. Yes. He's uh, he kind of looks like a soft Marlon Brando. Yeah. I thought he was quite good. So I was Handsome. bewildered to have him getting all the shots while the girl playing Maria. And again, I have it. Where's her damn name? Rachel, Rachel Zegler. Zegler. I did not like her. She's getting raves. Uh, I, I guess she's fine. But it's I, the I, worst role, as you say. Like, it is. It's a terrible role. So fucking boring. <laughs> I mean, but the problem is the Tony role is also not great. So it's that true. He, makes, he did wonders. It, it's, in other words, they're the classic ingenue roles, which are never the good roles, but have a long history in our theater yeah. um it's the it's the idealized young lovers roles and they tend not to have a lot of like spiky characteristics yes. um i'm okay with that tradition but i think it gets harder and harder for people to, to stand it um so usually people are like yeah who cares around well, tony maria you gotta have them but yeah it's really bernardo and anita that ever and you know i think even in its creation i forget which of the key creators of the stage show who said oh well Anita's the role you want. Totally. <laughs> and Anita and Bernardo, those are way better roles than Tony and Maria. Yeah. Um, it's not like they were ignorant of, of um, the fallout of, you know, the, the ingenues becoming, you know, not so fun. Yeah. Um, so, okay, seed, seed that. But the very things that you like, you see, I loved the 61 version. So I think that's already going to tell. If you're, if you're mm -hmm. indifferent or dislike the 61 version, you're going to be much likelier mm. to love. So among the great reviews uh, is one by A.O. Scott, who's um, uh, the, New York, the New York Times longtime critic. He is very indifferent and very dismissive of the, um, the 1961 version. Hmm. Um, and he, and he, so he gives quite a good review, though almost everyone gives really quite a good review. Um, it's doing very well critically. Um, the yeah. Spielberg version. But he says things like, well, it was the peak of middle brow <laughs> culture. Oh, uh, Post-war middle. And, you know, you just want to go, Ayo Scott, you're the king of fucking Middlebrook. Exactly. You just, you, New you York like Times. A, yeah, you add a li slightly literate baby gloss to just sheer Middlebrow takes. So the idea that he thinks he's above this. Yeah. That's, you want to just slap him all over the map. What an ass. That's ridiculous. Uh, that is really ridiculous. So anyway, but anyway, he's quite dismissive. So he really loves all the changes being made in this new version. But he just says some of the craziest things. For him, the great things are historical accuracy. <laughs> Which, as we all know, that's what you want in your musical. You want it. Because, <laughs> yes, yes, apparently, the, the, sorry. the, the screen, screenplay author, Tony Kushner, famous Tony Kushner, Angels in America, in America. he did Lincoln with Spielberg. Um, he, he and Spielberg together had bright ideas to pay tribute to what was actually going on in New York. So one of those things was there were actual whole neighborhoods, slum clearance projects that were happening. They decide to forefront that in the in the opening sequence when you're introducing, you know, the, the whole movie, the whole mm -hmm. plot. Um, and they they did a big close up of this, you know, amidst the wreckage that the camera is moving amongst in a very long sequence before you first see the jets kind of pop up from virtually from underground 
um, is a sign saying, you know, future site of the Lincoln Center of Performing Arts. It's great. And I just, I burst out laughing. Why is that great? That's like a student film, which is showing you 20 things that drag your attention away that make you go, why would you be, what? I thought How it was funny. Great? They seem self-aware that like the arts don't make the world a better place all the time. <laughs> you know, like, why is that a point to be made in West Side Story. I thought it was kind of a witty alternative to the opening of the 61 version, which is a famous shot of the skyline, you know, an aerial view of the Upper West Side. Yeah, yeah. And instead they do an aerial view of a neighborhood being bulldozed for Lincoln Center. It's fine. I don't think it's brilliant, but I also do want to laugh at A.O. Scott because, of course, that is the most middle-brow thing in it the is. film. And, and again, Spielberg... <laughs> He's the rival king of middle Brown. So exactly. exactly. But at any rate, for me, that was just maddening. It was just like, <laughs> okay. what the fuck are you doing here? And you're right. I guess it's some sort of meta commentary. That's the best you could say. That's but nice. for them, if you read interviews with them, they think, isn't it great that we're paying tribute to, oh, to what was actually happening? Because, you know, and he, they're getting praise for it. The realism and the historical accuracy Fuck my are life. among, the, among the most praised things. The gays <laughs> are singing and dancing, you fucks. Like nothing yes. about this is supposed to be realistic. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Except the emotions. Yes. <laughs> so. But we're in such a, we're in an imagination impoverished I era. I know. And for some reason, it always has landed on the musical with a ferocity that I've never understood. Like the musical... <laughs> becomes like almost unbearable and West Side Story becomes the biggest joke musical of all time. As you know, if you've seen the nine million spooks, which are always yeah. balletic dance moves among the jet that is essentially that opening scene. Yeah. Is they come down the street, they're showing their kings of the street, they control this tiny couple of blocks of slum, and they're doing balletic dance moves choreographed by Jerome Robbins. That is always the point of us uneasiness that gets spoofed. And yes. some of the spoofs are funny and you understand why they're there. They're supposed to be street toughs. And for a lot of people, ballet cannot go with street tough. Certainly the, the, the choreographer of this piece agrees. He takes away all the balletic moves of that opening scene. I wanted to go kill Justin Peck. Oh, wow. Like, you fucking coward. He <laughs> you, cle- you knuckled under to that. It, it's such a, come on, it's such a homophobic move. You're just terrified that they're going to look too femmy. Uh, so we can't have that. So they take there's these beautiful moves that they do. They're iconic where they the, the space clearing moves that show we we control this turf. So they open their arms wide and these beautiful points and they open and, and one leg to the side. And they're, but they're balletic as they step off the curb. And it's all like this is ours. And, and you get so much of the motivation for the Jets, who, of course, make no sense. They're controlling two blocks of slum or three blocks. But for them. It's like, this is ours. This is our world. And you, so you get this exhilarated. That's the whole point of that opening scene, almost, other than to establish sharks versus jets. Well, guess what Spielberg and Kushner decide to do? <laughs> There's only really one gag in this movie. It's the jets. Mm-hmm. So you watch that whole opening sequence going, well, where the fuck are the sharks? Mm-hmm. Well, they're not there until the very, very, very end of the sequence. So I'm going, what are you doing? <laughs> You're not even establishing this is a gang. A rivalry, to- yeah. And that's getting praised too. A.O. Scott said, that's very good. It, it makes them not identical. And I'm like, fucker, they were what? never identical. <laughs> you, know, you can't say that they're the same, they're equivalent. And I'm like, well, they're not. The Jets were there first. They're white. They're racist. They're protecting what they feel is their own. It's 
fairly worthless, but it's all they have. Yeah. And they hate the newcomers and the jet and the sharks, as they say, clearly, we hate you right back. Well, guess what Kushner says? Oh, they don't hate. They don't hate the jets. Oh, no. mm-hmm. Reading interviews is enough to make you want to put a gun to your fucking head. Oh, I can't and I won't. <laughs> oh, they're so bad. They're, they're so bad. But they did explain some things that I was like, why are you doing this? Well, guess why? The jet, I mean, the jets are the gang that are being horrible. The sharks are all hardworking young people. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the sharks are hardworking young Puerto Rican people. They all have jobs. They all have big dreams. You know, in this version, Bernardo has got what? He's got a job. He's got, yeah, he's, he's, he's a getting ready to go to school and he's training to be a boxer. He's, mm-hmm. he's so busy. You're like, when do you have time to be a member to lead a gang? I know. And this is being praised because now we filled in backstory. People are loving this. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's what you want. You want to know in depth about each character in a musical. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Tell me <laughs> where they were born and what else happened to them. Oh my God. So anyway, the sharks now are not gangs. They're simply reacting because they're being attacked all the time. So it's oh, kind of, man. so indeed you see this at the end of the, the long Spielberg opening sequence where they, the, the jets and their, their final act is that they've been carrying paint that they stole. They throw the paint against uh, a mural of the Puerto Rican flag. This brings all the hardworking, they're literally wearing their, their worker aprons and, right. and, and coveralls as they run. So it's all to establish they're not really a gang. They don't really hate. They're really all solid, productive citizens. And I'm just like, what? What? <laughs> My understanding of being in gangs is the <laughs> radical, terrible lack of opportunity in the terrible neighborhood that you live in. And that's usually often racist, classist, all these other things. mean. You don't have access to all these opportunities and you get shoved toward gang life. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's a sentimental idea, but that was my understanding. <laughs> no. So I'm just watching the whole opening going, what in the holy hell are you trying to establish at the beginning of this musical? I don't even know other than soon there's going to be the Lincoln Center for the Performing Arts. And that's terrific. Yeah. And that they've also got the slum clearance, which, you know, we've already talked about. Instead of just showing you the overhead and then moving gradually down to a playground and we're, we're in a section of Manhattan that was then slum. Instead of that, you, it's all the, the ruination of the wrecking balls that are knocking down the whole slum area. So I can almost hear it. I can almost hear it in the, scre- in the, in the script writing meeting. What we really need is a ticking clock. That's the <laughs> phrase they love to use. What's going to add additional? Well, it's all getting destroyed. The whole neighborhood is just going to be gone. And I'm like, there's enough drama Again, in West Side Story. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Can't we do something about, in fact, isn't it far more like interesting that there's just generations of gangs that, that are always the downtrodden newcomer? Here right. they don't want that. They want something more essential. Right. They want essentially, these are, what do they call them? There's even a, 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 a slur thrown at the, at the Jets. You're the Caucasian. The last, yeah, yeah, exactly. The uh, Caucasian, uh, shit. Something like the the last Caucasian. Who couldn't uh, make it in America. Yeah, yeah. So you're all the, you're all the big failures because I don't know who knows why you're just the ones who couldn't make it. So you're, that's what's wrong with you. Yeah, that was really, that hurt. (laughs) That, That was really harsh. In the, yeah, in the screenplay. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just, but it's it it's already implied in the '61 version. There's a scene where he's he's like, first the cop is so racist he throws out Puerto Ricans out of the Doc's store. Sure. Um, but 
he then tur- and he tries to buddy it up with the, the Jets on racist grounds, and they won't bite because they hate the cops worse. Mm-hmm. And he winds up saying something like, "You know, you bunch of tin horn immigrants. <laughs> you know, your how's your alcoholic? Fa- you know, your I hear your father's got the DTS. What's how's the how's it, the action on your mother's side of the street? Right. So it's all an implied. It's because you're all." failures and morally and in every other way that you are you're scum too you're just right. you know not not as lowly scum so the whole generational of you know new people come in they are oppressed they wind up in gangs that this is a big part of american history going back to forever um that's already there but here we're re- they're really hammering on it and the question is well why are they hammering on it so hard why does why does every puerto rican gang member have to have a job why right. why right. do you have to spell that and well, it seems pretty clear <laughs> why. But go ahead. Well, no, true. And they, you're right. They, this is a lot more um, preachy about. They're they're making this like this new dynamic where the white kids, the Jets, are the super fucked up ones who come from totally broken homes, and the Puerto Ricans all have like thriving families. And they mm. say that, like, even Tony That's says that to Maria. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he's like, "Well, you guys have family, you know." Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know. It's uh, drawing a really weird. A rewriting right line of virtue versus vice almost it's, yeah. it's really scary so the the jets have to be bad in all ways yeah and the sharks have to be good in wholesome, all ways almost <laughs> pretty fucking wholesome yeah <laughs> and you're sitting there going uh, anyone ever heard of the noble savage <laughs> it's the first move when you're tr- in reaction against racism that's so bad that you demonize a whole group well, now you flip over and you angelicize a whole group. Totally. By the way, that's bad. <laughs> you're, you're still dehumanizing them. They still aren't allowed to be complete human beings. Now you've just flipped it. Now they're better instead of worse. Totally. Totally. So we got, and I couldn't believe it. I was just sitting there going, how is this happening? What year is it? <laughs> this is 2021. And we've got something where now all the Puerto Ricans have to be good and productive and job holding. And we have to emphasize all their important dreams. None of them can just be a, a gang member. That just can't happen. Uh, I was sure. just appalled. I was just a fucking fall. I guess <laughs> I just, it didn't even like stand. I mean, uh, yes, I rolled my eyes at like the obvious 2021-isms, but the original script is pretty ham-fisted too. So it's just like, all right, well, this is this bullshit, but updated. What's the comp- comparable ham-fisted? I mean, it's broad stroke, sure. It's trying to do something pretty, pretty yeah. straightforward about gangs. Well, everyone's so everyone's a caricature, you know, every single person in, in the in the old one they're like cartoons they're which is the cartoon aspect i'm really baffled you know like hot chili pepper (laughs) like everyone rita Rita, totally and you know everyone in america and george shakiris and his like horrible accent (laughs) like they're all just yes and the accents weren't a thing then they did not care about doing the absolutely correct accent they totally they tried actually they were all training with rita moreno she was coaching them all on their accents they're just some people aren't very good natalie's not good natalie wood and the as maria is not a good accent um she was russian american uh george shakiris is greek american so they're not good at accents but the idea that they're caricatures when they're so much more vivid uh, i mean i guess that's what you would mean by character but they're i mean tight. The they're tight. oh yeah yeah we I, see, we I, see I a different movie <laughs> we I totally do. do i mean that wonderful scene where rita moreno is in the shop and she's the second in command and she yeah. 
And she's she's nothing like, yeah, she has dances that have fiery dance moves, which seem to go along with certain things like the mambo. But I don't see that she's always this kind of cliche. She's always trying to bring um, Bernardo down to earth. She's always, you know, there's all this complaint because she has bad things to say about Puerto Rico that is clearly about she's trying to like and believe that she's going to have great opportunities here. She winds up being persuaded and by the end saying she has such horrible experiences. But Bernardo was right. That's the arc of her character. Well, Anita's realizing the, she's the same. The, Anita's much the same in the new one as well. Don't you think like the arc of her character? Well, yeah, I guess so. Other than that, they've now given her. Well, I'm I'm working at home and I have I'm going to have my own clothes. You know, you have to have all this onward and upward rhetoric with all of them. In the old one, they just all work across the street at a bridal shop. Yeah, right. That's true. That's true. I guess I, I think we started the conversation because of the Jets and the Sharks, and they seemed to have unmotivated hatred towards each other. Just the basic, you know, racial difference thing or battling over turf thing. And that, you know, that's not particularly deep. It's fine. Uh, it works for the musical, but I don't think it's like less or more deep than this new, you know, well, I, don't think take. I wouldn't say deep, but I don't think I care if it's deep. It's if this if the suggestion is there is a gang turf war. I don't think I need to know. And, you know, in the midst of it, you're going to have a slight loosely based on Romeo and Juliet, one of each member fall in love. I don't think I need I don't need a backstory. I mean, I, I, I essentially I don't agree that. with you. I, I you know, I do. But I yeah, I guess we got started on this because um uh it was inoffensive to me because it's not like I lost something from the <laughs> from the first one. It's not like they changed, you know, dearly held characters. They, you know, it's not like they totally rewrote them in a way that made no sense to me. But they might have been dear to you <laughs> in a certain way. Oh, I, I love really the first one. Yeah, Even, so. I certainly don't think it's a perfect film, but I I love it. I love it. I, th I think it's one of the great dance films. It just has some beautiful choreography. Okay. I hated the choreography here. It was so stupid. The opening choreography, because they get rid of, of course, any balladic moves, but they've literally got them miming boxing, miming fighting, miming. So I just thought, oh, this is so grotesque. You know, we, we take one step forward in one direction. We take one back in another direction. Now we've got to, oh, they're all bruisers. They're all macho all the time. I was just like, that's just goofy. Do you so know? I hated that. I saw in the credits that they retained some Jerome Robbins choreography. There's Do you tribute. know which... Do you know There's which a numbers I recognized? Well, like for example, the dance in the gym, they have Tony and Maria do the arms out, uh, you know, snaps to that little lilting tune. Yeah, remember that when they yeah. go off together. Of course, in in the version that Spielberg does, because again, he has no fucking imagination. They don't go into a world of their own. I know, I hate dancers. that. I was so they disappointed. They go hide behind the bleachers. This is how literal minded. Because <laughs> you can see, and you again, you can trace the chart of their fears. They're like, oh, people won't understand because how could they be doing this right amidst all these people? We can't assume anyone has an imagination. So, yeah, yeah they go hide behind the bleachers. I was just like, you, you pathetic. No, they're, <laughs> I'm with you on that. Like the Robert Wise version, the 61 version has like gorgeous standalone moments. No, oh, like so truly good. beautiful. And there's, you know, one of them is when 
uh, yeah, Tony and Maria first meet each other. If you've seen this on stage, it's a ballet. And in the Robert Wise version, how would you describe it, Eileen? Everything goes dark. There are a couple couples in the background and there are these like color lights. And it's lights. kind of starry. Yeah, the, the color lights become almost like starry and it's it goes dark and then you mute, mute them and then they come together and yes, and then it becomes a completely stylized ballet. Yeah. Of like, yes, two symbolic couples of the, of the you know, sharks, jets, whoever's behind them and then them in the foreground. And it's all about them going into an interior state where it's just them in their in their in their emotional life. It's yeah. not at all hard. Yeah. By the way, right. everything cues you in. So the idea that we can no longer support that that's and how else are you going to represent the total transport of love? Which, by the way, people don't seem to believe it. I was reading A.O. Scott again. I'm using him as my whipping boy, but I could have started, cited many others. Mm-hmm. He's like, well. You know, that kind of swooning love just really doesn't go with such a rough setting. So in other words, oh my there, God. Can be, yes, there can be no love in slum <gasps> among the lower classes. Apparently that's a middle upper. He just doesn't even know what he's saying half the time. I swear to God, I don't know what his deadline pressure is, but he really needs to look to it. Because that is just, I was astonished. Because one wow. of the things it does well, it's the only thing it can do well with Tony and Maria, because they're, again, ingenue types, Yeah, is that they have to represent convincingly that they're rapturously in love and it's just happened to them. Right. That's the terrifying thing. There's going to be all these consequences. There's nothing they can do about it. So you right. have to be able to convey what is that like to immediately, you have to go for love at first sight, which, you know, a lot of people don't believe. It's quite true, by the way. <laughs> I don't know what lives true. you all are living, but I can attest. Oh, it's so true. God, I, and I feel I, sorry for you if you don't know about that. Woo! I know I dreaded talking to people about this. I was like, because oh, uh, I've also taught a class on love and talked to young mm. people about it, and it murders me <laughs> that they think this is unrealistic. By the way, if oh. if you have lived under a rock, West Side Story is an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, love at first sight. <laughs> That's what mm-hmm. it's about. And yes. yeah, I, I was just like, oh, God, I don't want to hear people say this is unrealistic yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is realistic. That's why people have written about it since the dawning of time. That's why it made up shit. No, that's why it destroys people's lives and has historically done so because it's crazy and irrational <laughs> mm-hmm. and people will literally die for it um, as they do in many tales. Yeah. <laughs> so. yep. Yep. And just the idea, like, is it is love disappearing? Is this a thing? Like, uh, you it, wonder. You it, wonder. I mean, reading some of these, you know, reviews, I'm just like, well, the sadly, the one un- really unrealistic in an admirably realistic film. Oh, oh my god, is that this swoony love affair? And I'm like, oh my god, the whole, whole, the whole story that has the most truth is like, no, that's not a thing. Totally. Totally. I, I, this is, I think people Ooh. pathologize that, that kind of love. Oh, they do. Love. Now you're supposed to have a healthy, sensible love where you both, you know, support each other's strengths <laughs> and are tolerant of each other's weaknesses. And I'm like, oh my God. It's very depressing. It's, that is one of the saddest <laughs> things ever. I mean, my friends and I used to say, you know, sadly of a, of a fellow friend, well, they haven't been wrecked yet. In other words, wrecked by love. You mm-hmm. haven't been wrecked by love. I don't know what claim you have on adulthood. You missed one of the central experiences of life. Oh, I, I, damn. That <laughs> is just sad. Dead. That is yeah. just fucking sad. Because you got nothing now to weigh against the profundity of death. You have nothing against it. Love <laughs> is, the, is what you weigh against it. The big, emotional, amazing experiences of your life is what you have. 
And if you don't have that, I don't know why, why are you hanging on. I, I don't know. Really Damn, Eileen, truth bombs. Sorry, but no, sorry, it's- <laughs> it had to be said because again, West Side Story can't make any sense if you don't invest. If you just really don't believe it, it's the truth. And I have to say, I thought the the guy playing Tony carried that off very well, and she carried it off less well. I Agreed. Thought. No, he was so good <sighs> at being in love with her. He was yes. he was wonderful, and just I don't know. He's you know he's, actually one line I did like is uh, whatever in the story. I can't you know, see you. Yeah, his, no, his life didn't make sense for a while, and like oh, he had all this noise in his head, and sort of meeting this girl shut up all of those awful mm-hmm. voices. You know, at least mm-hmm. at least for oh, the that moment. Is good, yeah, yeah, and um, oh, that's another thing they've tried to toughen Tony up because now he's he, he's been in a year in prison. That's yeah, in too. <laughs> okay, carry on. It's fine, but I'm so okay. with you on the um. Uh, so I I liked the editing, and I because it it was there was less of it than in most movie musicals, mm-hmm. and I oh, like that's true. I like the camera work for the most part, but I hated uh, the lighting, the set design, the color. Mm. It was that blue gray bullshit. Yeah. Which I think connotes, quote, realism, as you say. And that was so depressing. So depressing. Lesson for today. (laughs) Virtually nothing. I would say nothing you're watching is, is even realistic. You're just accepting a style to stand for reality. And, and in right. this case, it's, it's an overt style. It's this bullshit desaturation that looked good for, you know, a year or so in the 90s. Right. <laughs> and is now still being used to connote ah, dystopic, dystopic reality. It's, it's so awful. I, everything looks CGI sweetened to me. Everything. Oh, me too. Me too. And I know, that's I'd... Spielberg now. Spielberg does nothing that looks so. The, it's so hilarious that he claims he went for the realism because nothing oh looks God. real in a Spielberg film. Oh, fakey, yeah. fakey, fake. And it looks totally. like a set. Oh, and yeah, that, absolutely. That's fine if you lean into it, but not not if you're in this. Not if you're claiming. Middle space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it's so speaking of middle brow. Yeah, no, that was awful. That was awful. Yeah, I hate it. And, I, and that's another thing I love about the 61 version. There's a very expressionist use of color. Yeah. That they push super hard in certain scenes. I mean, hard. So that the whole scene is awash in like vibrant red or pinks and lavenders or, you know, all sorts of this one wonderful shot where Tony who's singing his Maria song and he's been through a whole bunch of colors that are associated with Maria. He walks by an entire wall that's lit up in this kind of lurid green. Yeah. I don't even know the explanation for that shot, but it's so fucking good. And it's then just he awesome. stands. Oh, it's awesome. And then he stands in front of uh, just the street, the black streaks. It's night and the green is reflected on the street. There's just these beautiful, bold, bold uses of color that can't be too highly praised. And we just don't do it anymore. Yeah. Color is hardly ever a thing anymore. And the occasions when it is, is a cause for hosannas. Because, yeah, this it was some bullshit. <laughs> I was just like, what did you do? Again, a bid for realism is just embarrassing in this case. I know. Well, this The is- first one in the sequence you don't like that was all shot on the streets of New York City has mm-hmm. far more realism simply because they went on a street. Admittedly, it's depopulated. Mm-hmm. They clearly did the depopulation. If you look at the 61 version, long sequence, it's the iconic one, the snap fingers, the whistles, the gang whistles. Um, and then they start the balletic moves, but they're they're claiming their turf, but there's hardly anyone on it. There's a few people on the basketball court, etc. Well, they're clearly doing this so you can see the lines of the movement. Yeah. Spielberg keeps doing those horrible 
let's have everyone that could possibly be living in New York City on the street moving around and all the cars and all the everything else and have them claim that street and dance. And I'm like, well, that'd be lovely, except you can hardly see them. Same thing happening in the Heights. Huh. Let's get 10,000 extras behind the dancers. And then on top of that, they cut concerts. Yeah. Which Spielberg at least doesn't do. But he does do a tremendous amount of camera movement. For my money, too much. Oh, He's just jewel like all over the place. Oh, I know. Well, yeah. we just If you if you like the older one, you're going to be driven mad. But you might like the new one just because, yeah, it's constantly moving. Constantly yeah. moving. Snaking through. Snaking through. All the time. But yeah, the bid for realism is so odd because it actually undoes realistic effects that the first one did. So I was just baffled by that. Yeah, it's it, maybe we should talk about why, like, I have some thoughts about why West Side Story in particular might be so funny to people. I think it's because it's like the beginning of us. Not many, really. There aren't a lot of musicals that exist in the genre, but it's a dystopian integrated musical. Mm -hmm. And like traditionally, the integrated musical, the musicals where people sing and dance spontaneously as part of the story, those we're used to seeing like utopian Utopian. yeah Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know like a sort of like idealized past think meet me in st louis or hello dolly oklahoma or just the the ecstasies of love which is usually the the topic is you're you're putting lovers together heterosexual lovers in the musical yeah is what the musical is doing and you're gonna need moments of ecstasy and then you're gonna need a ballad of sorrow when temporarily it's not working out or whatever right but i mean it's all going to be built around a fundamentally utopian um, feeling because each member of the couple is going to represent a set of seemingly clashing values usually um often clashing styles of performance not always but often and yeah. bringing them together does the typical thing that, say, comedies, and often we're called musical comedies, do, where you're representing through a marriage or a coupling the, reu- the reuniting and overcoming of tensions in a community. That's what the utopian is all about, at least I think. Exactly. You, you correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> no, no, done. That's it. Yeah. And we're, I mean, I guess we should credit. So, like, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the ideas of like the dual focus musical, uh, focus mm-hmm. on the couple, Rick Altman um, oh, laid those such out. A good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and in it, fact, let me say quickly if you hate the musical, he's, he's done the most cogent version of why you hate at least the classic, you know, studio musical. Yeah. It's because you want the for, forward propulsive momentum that's typical of many other genres, but it's not typical of musicals. He said the musical goes side to side, side to side. And it's usually since it's about uniting, you're creating a heterosexual union. You're often going to go to one side for the young woman and her woman attendants, whether they're friends, servants, whatever they are. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to swing over and go to the man and you're going to keep alternating. And then you're bringing them together in more and more numbers till the end of the final number. So he's that shuttling back and forth of like, addresses what what is a complaint many people have who hate the musical right which is it do, it's nothing's happening it doesn't have a plot it's not going forward so that's a nice explanation yeah yeah it's a different structure exactly and and really uh you know 1961 that's it's not like musicals never addressed anything sad right. um you know they did a south pacific is written around this yeah. time um but i think uh the fact that it's set west side story is set in like mm-hmm. contemporary for 1960s uh mm-hmm. or late 50s contemporary reality um mm-hmm. and is integrated i think that made people you know we uncomfortable explain what integrated means Oh, yeah. Sorry. Where the no. musical numbers are integrated with the storyline and they, mm-hmm. people seem to like sing spontaneously out of the events that occur right. as opposed to, say, a backstage musical 
not which is not an integrated musical where you have um, like a, a lot of Busby Berkeley musicals are like this, where you have the world of the narrative, which is not utopian. You know, usually in Busby mm-hmm. Berkeley musicals, it's about show people and, you know, mm-hmm. there's prostitution in that world and financial exploitation. But the musical numbers on stage are they're separated from the narrative. They're not integrated. People only perform mm-hmm. on stage. They don't sing out loud spontaneously in real life. And those musical numbers like in a Busby Berkeley number are quite utopian mm-hmm. in feeling, but they seem very separated from the world that the characters live in. Right. So to have an integrated musical, which is usually associated with like utopias, as Eileen was saying, be Mm -hmm. about contemporary, very dystopian reality is Mm -hmm. very weird (laughs) for a lot of people. So I think that's part of what's awkward about it. Not that I mean, and they've, you know, they've proliferated like Sondheim is someone who doesn't write um, uh, utopian. He writes integrated musicals, seldom utopian. Sweeney Todd Mm -hmm. is, is, you know, a darker Mm -hmm. integrated musical, but often, often the integrated musical takes place in like a fairy tale space or the past or you know whatever or it's just even if it's contemporary it's made fantastical overtly made it has right to, because how are you going you know the, the problem in the musical and it's not like they didn't know it even when they were doing integrated musicals is how do you get from the narrative to the singing to the dancing and they had whole elaborate ways of doing it mm-hmm. you start walking in rhythm and you start you know a stare was considered a master of getting talking in more rhythmic ways until you get a kind of lift off into the musical number they knew the problem Yep. Of like how to bring people with them into the song and dance when it's integrated and it's not, in other words, motivated because it's a stage show. So people are allowed to get up and sing and dance without it seeming to sort of test your sense of verisimilitude. Right. So, so yeah. And, and it's weird. If you listen to the extras on the 1961 version, it's a little maddening. They're paying such tribute. It was the 60th anniversary, no, 50th anniversary at that time. Um, tribute disc, and they're claiming way too much for West Side Story. There are people who are mm-hmm. saying it's it's among the first integrated musicals. That what the fuck? That's Absolutely totally not. Yeah, integrated musicals. Years like, well, before. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, easy. Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers are doing integrated musicals. That's in the '30s, and there's probably earlier stuff. I don't even know, but I mean, certainly by then they're starting to do. You don't have to be performing showbiz. You just performing emotions in the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, it builds through the Freed unit that's at MGM, which mm-hmm. has a, an incredibly experimental and brilliant bunch of talent all dedicated to exploring the great things you can do in musicals. And you start getting darker shades. I wrote in uh, my essay for Film Suck about Vincent Minnelli, mm-hmm. especially bringing in darker and more complex and more adult emotions into a form that had tended to be very, very frothy. If you want to see froth, watch the greatest Air Rogers musicals like Top Hat. They're complete farces. They're completely lighter than air. Yeah. There might be an occasional musical number that will dip into a darker emotion, but they themselves are just all out froth comedy. Almost mm-hmm. all of them. Um, so you start to get a, a little movement, but it, you know, claiming that, that West Side Story is some sort of first in doing that is also wrong. Rodgers and Hammerstein, is the, they're doing all these post-war landmark musicals in which terrible things happen. Yeah. Oklahoma, Judd is killed. Um, and there's a very dark sequence involving prostitutes, et cetera, that ter- sort of terrorize the naive young um, um, female lead. Um, there's the topical social issue stuff, like, as Dolores mentioned, South Pacific is taking on racism. Mm-hmm. So they're already doing those kinds of things in the 50s. And then there's some catch up happening. But but you still have to give it to West Side Story for being the most raw and the most contemporary and the most dystopian, because at least in Rodgers and Hammerstein, you're still going to unite a couple. Mm-hmm. You still got a big foot 
in a kind of older form of integrated musical. It's just going to get a little daring with some of its themes. But this goes way far. True. <laughs> in deaths, in not uniting a couple, because there's no way to unite a couple in such a uh, circumstances that they're living in. Yeah. So there's no uniting. <laughs> and it's pointing toward, of course, what's coming. Is It's Sondheim's first um, big show. Mm-hmm. I think it might be his first show. Um, yeah, he's but, just the lyricist, I believe. He's just the lyricist, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Leonard Bernstein wrote the Leonard music. Bernstein yeah. and Jerome Robbins, you know, choreographed and directed. And so it's a real genius, or Arthur Lawrence put the, you know, is the book. Mm-hmm. So it's legendary in part for bringing genius talent from disparate worlds, some of them quite classical, mm-hmm. um, like Robbins's background in ballet and Bernstein is an important composer and conductor, et cetera, and bringing them into this form and then doing a daring, exper- then very daring experiment in right. what you can do with music. But it really is pointing toward where we're going to head so that more and more you can essentially do a drama or, mm-hmm. you know, a, a serious, serious topics. You can go cabaret if you, if you want to. It's leading the way toward that kind of thing. So it's landmark in that sense. You can certainly claim it's landmark in certain senses. And it was a huge hit. It's, it's hard to overstate what a huge hit in 1961 West Side Story was as a film. Mm-hmm. Ten Academy Awards and just a must-see, just colossally successful and made its mark on so many people's consciousness. That that's part of the reason there's a remake is Steven Spielberg is and he claims obsessed with it since he was a kid. Hmm. Michael Jackson was obsessed with it, um, and that's how he, he wound up doing the the bad musical. He modeled it on you know part of West Side Story and the dance qualities. You know he, he there's Baryshnikov being interviewed saying he was so stunned by it as a complete work of art he became just enthralled and he literally went out and bought. George Securis's outfit that he wears to the dance at the gym, which is this gorgeous purple lavender purple shirt, a skinny black tie, and and, you know he makes fun of himself as there I was, this kind of stocky short teenage Russian, trying to pull off what the blade like George Securis looks so beautiful on him. He has very knife like dance moves. You watch George Securis, Mm -hmm. should have had a much bigger career. You see him. You can see him playing bit parts in like White Christmas. You'll see him in the chorus. Just look for the just look for the dark haired kid who looks 15 years old and is the best dancer. Right. Beautiful. Right. Beautiful lines. So some of the dancing is just eye-popping. And in fact, Jer- Jerome Robbins in the 61 version sounds like he fine-tuned what he was doing on the stage. He worked individually with all of the dancers, finding out what they could do, what they couldn't do best, tailored dances to them, and he drove them so hard that they were just piles of sweat. They could barely <laughs> function, but they worshipped him. Somebody said of Natalie Wood, if he had said, you need to go throw yourself off a building. She would have done it. Um, and they were crushed when he was fired because his perfectionism was so insane. They just couldn't afford him. But he'd already taken them through almost all the dances. They were, they were kind of ready to perform anyway. Mm-hmm. But she said, you know, the amazing thing about him is he, his whole emphasis tended to be the emotion, the emotion, the emotion. And she said that was so weird. She thought Robert Wise, as the director not doing the musical numbers, would be much more into the, the emotion and Robbins would be the technical, hit the mark get the gesture exactly right Mm -hmm. it was the opposite robbins was all about conveying the truth of the character and the emotions in the dance so so if you love dance on screen it's it's just a wow watching watching west side story Mm -hmm. um so that kind of iconic quality really marked generations so i think that's why this this continuing (laughs) there's enough people who who were affected by it um growing up but that's why there's a kind of persistence you know they always release anniversary copies Right. Um, um, of, of West Side Story. 
this got this landmark quality. So it's part, of course, of, of why do it? And it's just why, why do they always want to take on something that was regarded as a huge triumph instead of something that was botched? There's a million great potential movies that were botched and they never want to make them. But it's we- because Spielberg claims he, it's his own obsession, his own lifetime dream to do it. That's cool. And it, he dedicates it to his father, I saw. Mm-hmm. So they must have loved dad. it together. Yeah. Yeah. So they go bring Rita Moreno. Yeah, now, let's, let's talk 90. about that. She's the link. Yeah. yeah, she's the link to the old one. She played, obviously, Anita. She won an Oscar. She was incredible. She's the clearly, the for me anyway, she's the best performance in the In the 61 version. Oh, sure. 61 version. So she's brought in. They create a character for her. She's the She's the widow of the Doc character, who's a pretty clearly a jewish guy who lives in the slums and runs the store the corner store where they that's a neutral gang meeting point and so now she's taken over the store from doc and there's a picture and she's doc is referred to um as her late husband throughout so yeah her name is valentina and so she's now running the store so that's how they get rita uh rita moreno in there um as a kind of tribute to the old movie they do for me it's a very weird handling of her character yeah, I agree. Uh, very weird. Uh, in that they're so trying so hard to give her things to do that they do one disastrous, if you ask me in musical terms, absolutely disastrous thing. A place for they us? T- yes. Yes, Take a thank place you. for us, which is this. This is what's going to break you. Somewhere. You guys, if you've there's heard it. There's a place for us. Somewhere. Yeah. I guess it's called somewhere officially, but there's a place for us. It's usually we'll lock it down for you. It's this beautiful, heart-rending song <laughs> about they're never going to get together and they're dreaming of there's a place for us somewhere, a place for us. I <laughs> yeah. can't sing, so I can't convey it. But they sing it earlier in the film when they're first despairing. You know, Bernard, Tony's killed Bernardo, not because he intended to. He was trying to break up the fight. All this disaster has happened and it's looking less and less like they're ever going to get the happy ending, which they're not. And they sing it then in despair, pitching this kind of, if only. And then they report they, they redo it when he's dying on the ground at the very end. And it's there to kill. It's the most beautiful song in the yeah. whole score. They but. don't do it. <laughs> they give it to Valentina and she's sitting alone. At the, oh, she's walking around and then she's sitting alone at the shop yep. at, at a table singing it. And then you cut to a little mini montage of all the other couple. <laughs> so there's Tony and Maria and there's uh, uh, Bernardo and Anita and there's Doc and Valentina. And you're like, what in the holy fuck are you doing? Crazy ass, right? It was the most insane. I still can't get over it that they thought of it and agreed to it. And no one said, you don't, you're cutting the, the complete heart out of the ending of the film. It's what? like someone cut, it's like someone gave oh. over the rainbow to like the yes. wizard. Yes. <laughs> you know? That's exactly right. It's so <laughs> manifestly the wrong thing to do that you're, you're just, your jaw's on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so instead, when, when she's, you know, Maria is over Tony, he's been shot by Gino. I, I'm doing spoilers because I don't care, and I assume you know. Yeah, wake up, people. Yeah, come <laughs> on. <laughs> and she starts singing the, the, the opening verses of Tonight. Yeah. <laughs> About you, the only, you'll be the only one I see, that, which is all wrong. It's all wrong. So they botch what's supposed to be the heart-rending ending of the film that used to just make people, the 61 version, just made people cry buckets yeah buckets and you're not gonna cry believe me <laughs> at least i don't know how oh i cried there... i cried but still you cried oh yeah i totally oh cried. my god oh my god dolores i was you're just sad me... it's sad i don't you're know taking me to new and nightmarish lands <laughs> I, I never thought i'd visit oh my god <laughs> it wow. was 
it's, it's pretty. They're pretty. They they shouldn't be dead. I don't know. Um, oh no, it's built. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to make you cry. I just yeah. thought, well, with Spielberg and Kushner fighting you on it, I don't know how you're supposed to cry, but okay. No, I was so mad though. Uh, I mean, th- look, this is my version with the six. This is my problem with the sixty-one version. So Eileen loves mm-hmm. dance. I love mm-hmm. singing. And I hate the 61 version. They're both dubbed, Tony and Maria. Mm-hmm. And Natalie Wood is dubbed with Marnie Nixon's voice. Marnie Nixon, if you don't know her, she's like, you know, the ghost singer of 1960s Hollywood. Oh, every, everyone, she's, yeah. yeah, she did yeah. The King and I. She did My Fair Lady. My Fair Lady. Yeah. So she's everyone's voice. It's so generic. She's the least inspiring singer of all time. I don't even, I feel bad for Natalie Wood. I thought Natalie Wood was actually acting her face off. She's, she's, she's good. great. Yeah. Acting wise, she's very good. No one can do yearning like she, well okay some people judy girl yeah <laughs> i mean Nat- natalie wood is very good at doing love worshipful love and yearning so she really is carrying it because ba- richard bamer i think is the weakest, weakest horrendous he's terrible as he Tony. looks he's like just, a fish like what yeah, is he's, this man he's just he's just he's just somehow all wrong oh. <laughs> they're they're doing everything they can with him but he's just all wrong in the film and so it's a miracle that she she didn't even like him in life. So it's a miracle that she could look at him with longing like she does. But anyway, yeah, she's acting her head off and yeah. doing a great job. But yeah, the, she's dubbed, he's dubbed. Uh, yeah, and he's dubbed, great. but he is dubbed with uh, by someone named Jimmy Bryant, who I've never heard mm-hmm. of. He is singing so flat the entire time. You're like, wait, <laughs> they paid someone for this? Like, yeah, could they not just it, have... I'm- I'm not oh my god enough to hear it. it is distracting like lauren you saw my partner and i were watching this mm. film my partner's name's lauren and she was she was there and she loved the movie she loves it and it's like it you know it remains like a highlight in her memory and we were just i don't know we were mm. having dinner watching this thing and she turned around like three times she was like wait what like we were both just like bitch <laughs> like that's not even you were singing flat on the record <laughs> like it was it is horrendous so tony has a shit voice maria has the world's most boring voice and they're singing Mm. these gorgeous songs because of course they sing you know tony sings maria they both sing tonight and they Mm -hmm. both sing a place for us which are three beautiful melodies oh my god they're just like the world's most gorgeous songs and it's so disappointing Mm. to hear these like very shitty voices (laughs) sing this gorgeous music but steven spielberg goes it one better that he doesn't even let anyone with a you know a not 90 year old voice sing the best song of the whole show it's just like how could you deny Uh, us that emotional catharsis uh, (laughs) i hate you and rita's doing her best like i'm fine like let rita have a little reprise of that that's fine have stuff but doc had stuff he's supposed to be this kind of moral (laughs) moral figure who is certain key roles to play but they keep trying to give her more like when when tony's singing um uh something's coming he right. sings it to her so you get this totally pedestrian version of something's coming yeah that was bad to be. oh that was terrible he's in the shop singing it to valentina and it's like no he's supposed to be being transported into his desires into his like fantasies and and i'm like what the fuck once again this this realism the, the, it, it's just the death of a thousand cuts this obsessed with well he can't just be out there singing to the sky yeah. <laughs> which he does in the first version I know. he's gotta be he's gotta be singing to someone in a store where we can see goods that, to be available for purchase i'm just like what are you thinking <laughs> so terrible yeah i just wanted to beat my head against the chair in front of me i agree <laughs> of, all, of all the songs that you want to like you know sing into the night air something's yes. coming is one of them that should definitely is, be outside 
Definitely, yes. Yes. One yeah. of the big dreams of youth songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I will admit there's some charismatic talent in the movie for sure. In Spielberg, Spielberg's movie. Um, the guy who plays Riff is pretty good. Yeah. Um, he's, he's got charisma. He's got a good, an interesting look. Again, I, I really like the guy, Al, Al, um, David Alvarez, who does um, Bernardo. Um, um, the one playing Anita is great. Um, you know, and the guy playing Tony is better. So there's, 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 there's talent. Yeah. I said that about In the Heights, though. There's, there's talent can only see you so far. You film is a director's medium. You Word. get to decide. And if you're doing crazy ass shit like that, eh, you're making them fight. You are really making them fight. To make I mean, there's crazy things in this movie. I can't even tell you plot-wise. Crazy extra <laughs> plot that gets pumped in. There is an entire scene devoted to Riff buying a gun. Yeah. Not just. I mean, who the fuck cares where they get the gun? In the end, it's taken care of in one line in, in the sixty-one version. Chino's looking for you, and he's got, got a, gun. a gun. That's I it. Know, it's so true. <laughs> some, <laughs> some random Irishman and this black guy. Yeah, some black like a guy and an Irishman, and you're like, okay. Right. Yeah. And they're heavily like emphasized that they're a black guy and an Irishman. Right, and you're right. like, what's happening? What I know. Happening that was and weird. it goes on. Yes. Yeah. So there's oddities like this pulling your attention this way and that way all over the place, and you're like, why? Why? And guess why? Guess why? According to Kushner, why? it's a beaut. You're gonna love. It. Oh God. He claims it's so important to emphasize, <laughs> you know, the problematic issue of gun violence. <laughs> oh gun my violence! God. <laughs> Why not get something in on climate change? I know. Surely <laughs> Valentina could lecture people or something on, you know, the horrifying consequences. Wow. As if an <laughs> entire like, film about violence wasn't <sighs> enough of a critique. Yes, but- this is exactly it. You're tackling gang violence. You're yeah. tackling fraud issues of race. But no, you got to get in the little plug. <laughs> oh, oh my God. God. I'm so glad I didn't read any is of that. Is everyone shit. insane? I just, I swear to God, this culture has gone so nuts that I just sit there looking at the evidence of it in films and just, just clutching my head. Like, yeah. I got Im- to emigrate. I can't do this <laughs> and it's only me and then i have to go read all the other reviewers just going on and on and i'm just like are you all on crack what is going on i and think no the bar is genius. low the bar was low oh no that is exactly the problem and it keeps going lower and, and i have limboed for years and yeah I'm, it's getting to the point where even the core part of me that is fighting is starting to lose it like to the point of like, I don't know anymore. I read everything is great. Probably every everything that gets shat out of the media industry, you can find people to plug it as if it's the second coming. I just after a while you just get beaten down and then people are like, You always hate everything I need. I'm just like, really? Cause I feel like I'm constantly given very tolerant reviews to stuff that later I'm gonna look at and just be ashamed of myself. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I. So I don't know what to leave our readers with. Like, oh yeah. I mean, is there stuff? Whatever you are, listeners. I guess. What listener? I guess they're listeners for this. Um. Do we need? Is there anything we need to wrap? What else can we say about the musical? I think we've said what we can say about what you know. Obviously, it comes in with sound film. Musicals on stage had been a long term thing. Yeah. Um. But um. Uh, it's not until you get the the sound revolution. In fact, part of the sound revolution is the jazz singer, which has you know bursting into Al Jolson bursting into song, and that's what rivets people. And so, as soon as you establish, uh, move from silent to talkies, the first things they're trying to do is capitalize on the musical. 
So you're getting things like Broadway Melody and, you know, which is very amazing to watch at one best picture in 1929. It is the stiffest, most awkward, most crude thing you've ever seen. But it's because they're having to have such a death struggle with the form. It was a really misery. Watch Singing in the Rain and truly great musical from 1952 yeah which which is satirizing the hysteria in hollywood over trying to adjust to this essentially a new medium right um so that's what brings it in and we've already talked about the you know the busby berkeley innovation he really frees the camera and busby berkeley stays very iconic you see still see spoofs of busby berkeley numbers which i'm always amazed because it's like people probably many people probably don't have no idea what the antecedent of those those over the it's overhead true. shots of flower-like yeah. patterns being made by dancers. You still see it. Um, that was his innovation. Um, and he does also, he does very inventive, but they're crazy, wild, surreal um, uses of camera and cutting with, with just massive casts of thousands kind of music performances. Yes. Um, do I need to say anything else about Busby Berkeley? Um, I don't think, I mean, the um, thing about Busby Berkeley is like, those shots are only achievable on film. You know, yes. like, so that's what's special about his numbers, mm. I guess. Like, there's like a high degree of cinematic specificity. Right. They're all like aerial, you know, <laughs> so. And that's what's great because he's often doing back, you know, it's not like he doesn't do backstage musicals. He does. They but all he, are. But he, yeah. Yes, they're all, aren't they? Right. Virtually. So, yeah. So, but he finds a way to make it so it's not so stagey, which something like Broadway Melody of 1929 is totally stagey because it, clearly they're just taking from the stage a popular genre that already exists. Yeah. So he does this innovation that is is the thing that gets a kind of amazing liftoff um that's next going to be followed by integrated musical experiment yes um and you know maybe just oh go ahead well uh i was i was just gonna say like uh, the thing for me about the musical is uh it's a it's a form that like is most often self-reflexive not always like west side story is not a self-reflexive musical because it's not a musical about show business but so many musicals are about show business and the like moral of that story is like no matter how dark it is, the musical is like always on the side of entertainment. <laughs> so it's like Hollywood's it's it's right. the most paradoxical form because it's the form that's working the hardest to convey a feeling of spontaneity. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is by far the most labor intensive and like yes. technologically complex form mm-hmm. to create. Mm-hmm. And it's even when I think it's kind of genius, like even when it's pretending to show you like in the darker musicals, like a star is born or New York, Mm -hmm. New York, or any of the diva musicals, how Mm -hmm. awful show business is at the end of the day, when someone has sung and danced all of those things, you're just like, I show business, show business is like the greatest thing thing on earth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's like the, the paradox of the red shoes, the ball and press. Yes. In the end, the ballerina dies horribly. And guess what? Everyone decided I got to be a ballerina. Right? <laughs> and a million little girls were like, yes. "I get me my ballet shoes because that's all I want." And you, I remember teaching that and explaining that, and everyone was bewildered. And I'm like, "No, don't you see? It's such glory." And the movie's intended to glorify. This is what it is to be an artist. This is what it is to be a creative person. You throw everything in, and that's the ecstasy. That's the ecstasy. Yep. And they all looked at me blankly because you know, people aren't really into that. <laughs> they aren't into love. They aren't into the transports of artistic endeavor. What are they in? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but so musicals today, I mean, if we have to say, I mean, you're you're very four square and I'm pretty well with you. I, I might not even put it as late as 1979. Yeah. I tend to hate contemporary music. I hate this contemporary stage music. I oh. absolutely oh. freaking hate it. 
But, but like, oh, props to West Side Story for not sounding like a contemporary musical. Like, I was so worried that people were going to get up there and do, like, pseudo-gospel singing like oh, they do no. for, like, so many contemporary musicals. Like, mm-hmm. um, they just sang, they sang it straight, and I was, I was like, I was so grateful. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, thank I have you. to say that. That's yeah. true. Okay, it I'm sorry. Didn't have, didn't have the worst of the Andrew Lloyd Webber and the, you know, yes. the stuff that took over at a certain point. And yeah, and we're in a weird situation too, in that if you, if you, if you just read up casually online on musicals, the by far the biggest number of musicals, quote unquote, being produced, they consider are animated musicals. And I'm like, yeah, but they're not, anim- they're not musicals. I mean, mm-hmm. they sure they borrow tropes from the musical, but. For me, I mean, a, a, a teapot singing with a candlestick. I'm like, I, well, I, it's a good. cartoon. It's, it's fine. <laughs> oh, no, I don't mind them singing. But yeah. it just seems like animated films should be a whole separate category because there's none of the fascination I'm with we you. just discussed. Of you a have... human being doing superhuman things. Yeah, virtuoso um, And you're so right. Part of the fascination has to be that behind the scenes, they're killing themselves. Mm-hmm. To make it look like they just spontaneously started singing and dancing, and sometimes they make a fetish of that, especially in the integrated musical of MGM. Yeah. So I don't know the "Skip to My Lou" number or the trolley song in "Meet Me in St. Louis." It's all they call. It, sometimes they refer to this subcategory of the folk musical, where it's supposed to be about everyone is just, you know, naturally full of song and dance, and it's a folk thing. And they they would have sung anyway as part of their entertainment, and you just build off that of people a whole community able to just chime in with musical instruments and the ability to sing, yes. which does reflect an older truth. People really did entertain themselves singing, dancing, mm-hmm. playing musical instruments is a normal thing. So that kind of thing. But then knowing behind the scenes, all that pretend, even e- Vincent Minnelli would always include like mistakes <laughs> and people hitting the wrong note mm-hmm. and people, you know, things like that to make it even more folky. Um, but the, the thrill is knowing it's just the un unbelievable amounts of rehearsal and work and t- lifetime training that goes into being able to achieve those effects. That's the thrill. Right. right. And I don't know why that's harder to convince people of now. I literally don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Why. I don't know why musicals took such a hit, but they really did. I mean, I did initially, they, among the, the, the genres that start failing as you move into the, especially the sixties, the studio system is collapsing. It's not just the expensive ones. It's the ones that seem to suggest real old-fashioned values. So the Western also is declining mm-hmm. with the musical. Mm-hmm. So it's anything you, you, you can't find a way to, you know, the, to do a revisionist version of, um, in other words, to incorporate more critical values of the 60s and 70s, you know, and you can do that with almost everything they did. But I mean, that, those are, especially for the ones that took the big hit, are the ones that just seemed like that's part of an older traditional conservative culture and there's no way to bring it forward yes in a world that's changing radically also there are new val- we probably don't even have time to get into this it could be its own episode but mm. um there people's relationship to expertise and virtuosity is really mm-hmm. changed and i think yeah. that the governing values of quote relatability um mm-hmm. and a kind of taste for the ordinary over the extraordinary really troubled the musical, like mm-hmm. my students love La La Land, which features Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, neither of whom can sing or dance. Um, yeah. And they like yeah. that. They're like, it's approachable. It's relatable. Uh, and it's like, well, you could walk down the street for relatability. <laughs> I I would rather see people in a musical who could sing. <laughs> yeah, this is death. This is the death. This is the death of all worthwhile entertainment. Yeah. The whole point was you went 
from the earliest days, you're going to see someone do something you can't do. Totally. That's supposed to be thrilling. That's what entertainment was all about from the very beginning. So what's the point? <laughs> I just, what's is- the point? Exactly. Aww. Like art. Okay. Oh God. How not to like spend all day on this, but I like, know. Ah, um, it, for, okay, to me, like the bandwagon, which you wrote about in your Minnelli mm. essay, Eileen, dancing yes. in the dark to me is like the <gasps> ultimate. It's, it's, I don't even know what to say about it, but when I watch, when I watch it and when I did watch it most recently with my students, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, <sighs> It's how I want to live. Yes. <laughs> and yes. It, it, it's like, uh, this went through my mind when I saw Dancing in the Dark, uh. in, which uh, like, I, I just marched across my mind as like, I am not living life fully. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. to see Sid Charisse and Fred Astaire, who in the film are both mm-hmm. performers, Sid Charisse mm-hmm. is a ballet dancer, Fred Astaire is basically Fred Astaire. They're mm-hmm. both experts and they go to Central Park. They're inspired to see if they can by, dance together. To yeah. see if they can dance together. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously that means to see if they can like partner together romantically too, because it's mm-hmm. the musical and performance goes hand in hand with romance. And so, mm-hmm. but it's about, they're both experts. And they're like feeling the air around them and they're taking in the space and they do little improv improvisatory gestures that yes, are improvised, but they're like built on their expertise and experience. (laughs) And then they work out a dance together and it's like, they are magic because they can, they're like working in true harmony with their environment, which which so few of us can do. And Mm -hmm. it it looks, it's the most natural free thing in the world. I mean, talk about quote authenticity or whatever the fuck you're obsessed with, Mm -hmm. you know, that's it. They're like, so part of the air, but you can Mm -hmm. only do that when someone is an expert. (laughs) Yes. That's what's so weird is we used to worship that, that trick. Of like, no, it, the suggestion is you too. This you're. They even come through. They come walking through a group of of just people who are doing outdoor dancing to a band. Yep. So they walk amongst the dancers first before they start improvising. So it's a way of kind of uniting, like, no, the world because the world then did dance <laughs> like mm-hmm. that. Um. So to bring aspects of that with you, so it's still supposed to be roping you in, especially emotionally. It's it's expressing like the thrill of coming together of being seeing that you have more in common than you thought that you respond to each other more than you thought so there's mm-hmm. just an emotional level mm-hmm. but yes the, the the physical level is such perfection with the music that that's what's transporting exactly you have to have that level of brilliance <laughs> united with the brilliance of the music the brilliance of the production design the, it all has to come together to give you this huge liftoff or the musical can't mean anything Mm-hmm. Or so much entertainment can't mean anything to you. Mm-hmm. Because that's what's bewildering to me is how what liftoff can you get? I guess maybe that's something that isn't yearned for. Like, I want to transcend at this moment with them. I know. I want to feel transported. And how can you feel transported watching people who can't really sing and dance muddle their way through because it's just like us? Well, then go, you're right. Go muddle, muddle, muddle around down the street in your living room <laughs> or down the street when you don't care. Ah, we're in a strange, strange town. I know. It's very mm. difficult to get my head around. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, but what's weird, there's areas of the, of, a practice where it's still the same sports who wants to go see someone muddle around in thank sports thank you yes you know but yet you don't demand or i guess even just in music 
I guess that's still there's some level where you're still expecting people to be fabulous as musicians. Sort of. So go, sort of. I don't know if that's a question mark. I'll leave that open. But sports certainly. You're just you. You need to be just unbelievably beyond belief. My jaw drops on the ground. Well, that <laughs> used to be the standard for for musicals and for musical performance. Right. Just not now. Right. Weird. Weird. The musical times. is just a weird. A weird example of a cultural phenomenon that has gone in directions that are really that really require analysis i hope someone's writing about this like why the musical why does the musical fall into this strange category in relationship to what audiences want i think i think it has something to do with like the demand for realism you know Mm -hmm. in our in in quote modern times you know it's a very like victorian and post-victorian demand um And so the musical is obviously not that, or it's obviously going to be encountering a problem with quote realism at every turn. Mm -hmm. So I think it's got a, it's got a lot to navigate that other genres don't, (laughs) but that's just, I guess it's just the most overt and that's why it's the the one that gets targeted the most. I guess that's why. Yeah. If like film has some relationship to photographic reality, you know, because Mm -hmm. it is a, a medium that can so almost like accurately reproduce the impression of reality mm-hmm. it makes sense that the film musical is like the trickiest most fraught genre because it's always going to be it can't be authentic i mean quote it can't be right. real or spontaneous people well, have to train but, you know, this, <laughs> this again is the trouble because once again you can go to the macho counterpart the action film i mean there have been people who have written about how the action film is built especially at a certain point where it got very very formulaic it's built like a musical so yeah, instead of totally. a musical number that has to be there at certain interludes of certain size, of certain scope, typically in a formula, that the action film is exactly that. But it's the action sequence instead of the musical dance number. Yeah. And there is nothing realistic about the average, <laughs> nothing, nothing about the average action film. And nobody minds at all. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm always just like, what? why does that get a huge pass? I mean, there's no way that. Somebody's in that kind of a fist fight and has one tiny mark symbolically on one cheek. And that's it, it, all bull. You can't do that with a car in real life. There's yeah. no way. Yeah, you yeah. never survive. All of that shit. But that's all given a total pass, even though everyone knows that's not realistic. Oh, care. well, there we go. We're here. That's a patriarchy at work then. Okay, and done. Apparently, that's all. <laughs> I hate to I hate to be reductive, but maybe Sometimes that's not reductive. Shit's true. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> A cigar is just a cigar, uh, but not in this case. Yeah. <laughs> now we know what that cigar is about. <laughs> but a singer and a dancer is a pansy, and that, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, yeah, concludes our episode. So. <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Yeah. And we do thank you. That is it for our West Side Stories and the musical episode. That's the second of our favorite film genre series. Thank you, our dear listeners, and of course, triple thanks for our subscribers who keep us in our tap shoes. You know you do. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I had if, you're, <laughs> if you're not a subscriber yet, but you like what you hear, please consider signing up with Patreon for all the film suck, suck content instead of just the half that you can get publicly available. And you can follow us for, for news of the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, join us again in two weeks for our discussion of film noir, the genre of film noir, very fraught and interesting and fascinating and perhaps the coolest of all genres. And we're <laughs> going to be talking about it in relation, um, in relation to Nightmare Alley. There's an updated version of that 1947 film noir classic um, directed by Guillermo del Toro, and it's opening on the 17th. So we will be discussing um, that. We're, we're using that as an example. So again, until next time, 
Thank you, my dears. Gracias. For listening. <laughs> Gracias. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was, that no, it had to be said. <laughs> In honor of the, you know, representative, correct. You know, span. We didn't even mention. Wait a minute. We just have to pause to say, <laughs> in talking about the new West Side Story, we never mentioned the all Puerto Rican cast and the heavy use of Spanish in many, untrans, you know, unsub. Uh, what do you call it? Oh yeah, unsubtitled. Unsubtitled um, Spanish throughout. So yeah. now we've mentioned it, and we can stop now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, <Goodbye>. everyone. <laughs>